we pray that, uh, that we would be good stewards of all that you blessed us with. Guide us in our giving. Guide us in our spending. Help us to uh, spend the money that uh, is, is brought in here wisely and to further your kingdom in whatever way we can, through missionaries or through Kids Club or through whatever programs we have, Lord. We just want to pr- please you and to spread the name of Jesus. We pray these things in his name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Wayne. So, uh, <clears throat> all right, <clears throat> kids, four years old through fourth grade, you are dismissed to go down to youth church there. Enjoy that. And, uh, hey, uh, <clears throat> Kids Club does start Wednesday. And I believe that the Kids Club kids are going to help take down the uh, Christmas decorations that are here. So if you don't have your Christmas card pictures taken yet, you've got between now and Wednesday to come here and take that in front of a tree if yours is already done. Nobody's buying on any of that. Okay, here we go. Uh, let's see. I've got some things I was going to say here. The first one was the uh, kids that dismissed there. I got, uh, let's see. Um, yeah, Sarah Harris covered that one. And the uh, new class starts at 20. covered that one. And, uh, Sign up, sign up sheets out in the, out there, out there in the, uh, in the, uh, lobby. There is a table full of sign up sheets. And, uh, so we want you to sign up and we want you to be involved and invested in the church. And, uh, this morning, uh, this morning, um, the uh, sermon that we're going to uh, go through that you're going to go through with me this morning has been brought to you, uh, uh, halfway by um, Laura, the secretary, uh, Laura Schmidt, the secretary of church here, uh, 50% of it is brought to you by her today, uh, because, um, halfway through the year this year, my computer crashed and, uh, all of the sermons and all of the notes and the outlines and the PowerPoints and everything that I had for the first half of the year, uh, they crashed with that. And so because Laura puts all of the uh, sermons on our YouTube channel, um, I got to go back and rewatch them, and then I was able to screenshot some images from them, and so I'm bringing you the year in review, the first half, uh, via uh, just screenshots from um, the first half of the year that Laura put on YouTube. Now, some of you are going, you mean I could have stayed home and watched this on YouTube? And yes, you could have, but it's too late, you're already here, and so I'll be insulted if you leave now. But uh, we're going to do the year in review. Aren't you just excited about that? Aren't you excited? The year in review. This is my favorite one every year. Uh, every year, the same thing happens. Uh, I look through the sermons that I preached through the previous year, and I always I look at them and I say, and I don't even remember. It's like, wow, I preached that. I couldn't. I forgot all about it. And so I'm confident that if that's the way it works for me, uh, it works that way for you as well. You don't remember any of it, and so um, uh, so it's good for us to review. All right, here we go. Are you ready? So the first sermon series that I started um, was uh, that I preached last year was called uh, Recycle. Recycle. Here's a that was a, that was back there a picture of me preaching uh, the the uh, Recycle series. And then maybe you remember the logo looked like this. Next one. And uh, uh, on the left there, that's a screenshot that I saved of the blurry image. And then on the right was the one that Laura had saved uh, for the bulletin. And so does that look familiar to any of you? Sure. Okay, good. So you'll be able to remind me what the first sermon in the series was. See, I told you you wouldn't remember. And uh, here's the here's the scripture that the whole series was built on. Second uh, Corinthians chapter five says this. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone. The new is here. 
All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and then gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God has reconciled the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you, on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. And so uh, we said the whole world needs to be reconciled to God. When God created everything, it was created perfectly in his image. And then he gives us the law as to the way that he wants everything to look and the way that we are to conduct ourselves. And all of those things are being in place. But here's the problem. Uh, we mess that up all the time. We don't do that. But so oh, we're, we're supposed to be in the work and in the process of reconciling everything that we encounter back to the kind of relationship that God wants to have. And so in week one, uh, we said, uh, even the earth needs to be reconciled to God. Here's an image here. And, and maybe you remember, um, I, I, I played for you that old commercial uh, from the 70s uh, where the Indian has his tear and some of you are old enough to remember that and some of you are going, huh, what, what? And, uh, and so there was, and what that was, uh, it was a commercial uh, back in the day and, uh, and just to kind of demonstrate and illustrate and showing the fact uh, that uh, environmentalists have been very proactive uh, for a long, long time. And, um, and people are concerned about the earth and the planet and we're supposed to reconcile the earth uh, back to God. That's one of the things that we're supposed to do. Well, what does that mean? Well, uh, here's the thing. The problem is, is that uh, some people, they deify the earth. The earth is God. And if you spent just enough time in the forest uh, listening to the roaches as they climb around through the sticks, you would then become in tune with God. They deify the planet. And the Bible says, no, you can't deify. Other people, they capitalize on the planet. And they say, clear cut the forest, strip mine the land. The whole thing is here just for us to consume and make more money because we want more money, right? And they, and so they capitalize on it. So what is the biblical response to the earth? Well, we are to be good stewards of the earth. And here's what we learn. In the beginning, uh, God created the heavens and the earth. Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. God created it, and the earth is not fragile. It's not fragile. In fact, the earth is against itself. It does things to hurt itself. And we talked about volcanoes. You guys remember when we talked about volcanoes? Anybody here that day? Anybody? Two of you. All right. Three of you. And uh, I thought there were more people then, but maybe all those people no longer attend because I was talking about this kind of stuff, right? And um, but uh, we talked about the the planet itself tries to it's trying to kill itself. And we talk about volcanoes and the maximum level of a uh, of a volcano is an EV five. And when a and this is Mount St Helens. And when a volcano like and they blow up about every five years, one like that. There's constantly volcanoes that are blowing up. Okay, all around the earth, all the time. And about every five years, you get it. EV-5, they're gigantic. And that's a picture of Mount St. Helen, the before and after that thing went up. And then when a volcano like that explodes, it puts over 2 billion tons of particles, of gases, of toxic uh, environmental things that are toxic to our environment up into the atmosphere. It's the equivalent of hundreds of nuclear bombs going off all the time. And that the planet is trying to kill itself. And here's here's why we said all of that. Um, mankind is not going to destroy planet Earth, period. God said he will destroy planet Earth, 
period. Now, we are to be good stewards of it. So that means when you're changing your oil and you take that plant oil, that, plant, uh, that little thing, uh, that tub of oil after you change it, you don't go dump it into the stream because we know that's not good for the fish, right? And so uh, we are to manage it. We're to be good stewards of it. We're not supposed to deify it. We're not supposed to abuse it. That's planet Earth, planet Earth, okay? And that was the first one that we did in that series. The second one is about your body. Uh, your body uh, is to be a temple, and uh, there are people that neglect their bodies, and there are people that work their bodies. And we talked about that. And we talked about your family. And uh, we said, Genesis, here's a verse, Genesis chapter two, verse 24. It says, this is why a man leaves his father and his mother and it is united to his wife and they become one flesh. That this is the order of things. This is the order of things that God says. He says, first you grow up and you leave your mom and dad. You take care of yourself. Then you get married. After you're married, then you begin to procreate and then you begin to have a family. And that's the order of things for family. We talked about the arts, the arts, and uh, uh, that the arts, uh, we didn't talk about uh, kind of sculpting and painting kind of arts, but the kind of arts that were most prevalent to those need to be reconciled back to God. Family needs to be reconciled back to God. Our bodies need to be reconciled to God because our nature is to kind of pull those things away from God. But God says, when you become a Christian, you bring those things back into conformity to what God wants. And so in the arts, we said when it comes to the arts, um, the, the arts that we are most exposed to is uh, television and the movies. Television and the movies. Those are the arts that come at us. And uh, we said the one area that the arts and, and music and music, the one area that the, uh, those arts get the most wrong is they try to define love. They try to define love. And uh, usually they get that very, very wrong. And we said these things about that. We said, uh, this is, love is not innate. You have to learn how to love love. It's not emotion. Remember, I showed you a little clip here from Bambi Twitterpated. Twitterpated. I don't know if you remember that Twitterpated. And uh, love is not being Twitterpated. Love is not lust and love is not sex, but love is commitment. And so we have to reconcile what the definition of love is. And then maybe you remember I showed a, a Carrie Underwood, uh, her singing a song. It was really powerful. It was a great way of illustrating how the arts can be very powerful for the kingdom of God. Talked about money, Money. Americans spend thirty billion dollars. Americans spend thirty billion dollars a year on cosmetic surgery, and uh, and and um, there's another twenty billion dollars a year that spend just on cosmetics, on cosmetics, right? And uh, you, some of you guys are looking at me saying, "Yeah, you ought to try that, Steve." Um, but uh, and so here's the thing: um, cosmetics. And we say, "Okay, how much is thirty billion dollars? How much is, if if America has so much?" Cash just in falling around loose in his pockets that can spend that much. How much is $30 billion? Do you guys remember the illustration I gave you on how much $30 billion is? Told you you would forget. Um, if you had $30 billion, you guys know what a half million dollars Picture a house that costs $500,000. Some of you live in one of those, some of you would like one of those, and a $500,000 house. Okay, that's a nice, that's a really nice house. If you had $30 billion, you could buy 153 half million dollar homes. If you had $30 billion, you could buy 153 half million dollar homes in every country in the world. It's a lot of money. It's a lot of money. Now, We'd all like to try it, right? We, we would. Uh, but, but God wants us to reconcile our money, reconcile our money back to him. 
back to him. And so uh, we don't just get to spend it willy-nilly on whatever serves us all the time. God tells us that we are to set some aside and say, God, this is for you. And that's how we show God that we understand that every area of my life, whether it's the planet that I live on, that God gave me, or my body, or my family, or the arts, or money, or our self, we're reconciling all those things back to God. To self, uh, we said um, that... uh, um, Let's see. Oh, I handed out a biblical survey. Oh, this was, if you were here that week, you're probably still squirming. I handed out a piece of paper to everybody that was here, and it was a biblical survey. And there was questions on it, like, put these books of the Bible in order. Uh, Put these uh, minor prophets in order as they appear in the Bible. And uh, and there were questions about Bible, trivia that was in there. And I asked you to fill that. I said, that's a tool, that's a gauge. For some people, you just kind of go through it and you ace the thing. For other people, you go, oh, boy, I don't know as much about my Bible as I thought I did. And I said, that's a tool. That's a gauge. And so if I'm going to be the person that God wants me to be, I'm going to be reconciled to him. I need to pay attention to things like that. And maybe there are areas in my life that I need to be working on. We kind of talked a little bit about that uh, last week. If you were here last week, kind of talked about those kind of things. So that was the first series that I did. Reconcile, reconcile, reconcile. The next series that I did was one that's called Living the Puzzling Life. And uh, that's a picture of me preaching it. And, and then well, the reason I put that up there is because I wanted you to see the logo for it. And you can't make that out at all, can you? So, um, and here's the next picture. And that's a zooming in on it. Still can't make it out at all. But it was crystal clear. And, uh, but that was the thing that Laura had put in the bullet. Living the puzzling life. And when you came in there for uh, those uh, weeks that I was preaching at, you would come in here and you would find a piece of a puzzle on the chair. Now, do you remember that? You came in here and there was a piece of the puzzle on the, uh, on the chair and you walked up and I said, now look at that. And I said, uh, what is that? What is the, what is the picture that it's going to be? And I didn't reveal what the picture was. And you all kind of looked at it and you, we all came to the conclusion. We have no idea. You can't just look at that one piece and know the conclusion of the matter, right? And so how do you put the piece together? You look at the picture, you look at the picture, and then you could kind of look at the picture and look up uh, the, the piece and look up at the picture and say, oh, now I see how that fits in. Now I get it. And now I get it. We said, that's our life. That's our life. We have these tiny little days that we go through and, and we're like, man, I don't even know how this thing fits in. But here's what, here's what the Bible says. The Bible says, First Corinthians, it says, Now we see things imperfectly, like puzzling reflections in a mirror. But then we will see everything with perfect clarity. We talked about sometimes we like to make the piece fit, try to wedge it in there. So we do that in our life. Um, we talked about the fact that uh, we need to be looking towards the one who understands the big picture. And, uh, and then in that, I uh, said, well, we need to be a people. There's biblical illustration after biblical illustration. I think in Matthew or Mark, Mark 11. Um, remember, we talked about John the Baptist. John the Baptist was the first cousin of Jesus. And so you would think if there's anybody that's going to be kind of in the know and in the loop, uh, surely uh, Jesus would be looking out and taking care of his first cousin, right? And then we're kind of reading through there in chapter 11 where we see here's John the Baptist and uh, he has been arrested and beheaded and he's dead. It's like, well, Jesus, you weren't kind of taking care of your guy there very well, were you? No, Jesus, God allows those things to happen in people's lives. And we are the ones that are called to get up close to other people because sometimes the piece of the puzzle that we have in our life looks like the piece of the puzzle and these these are going to fit together and we take care of each other and look after each other. And we, we talk about forgiveness. We need to forgive. 
Um, to, uh, that's a part of the picture is that forgiveness has to be a part of it. And here's, I think I have some images here. This, I showed a video. Everybody, everybody in the room was crying. Everybody was in the, everybody in the room was crying. I showed you, uh, this kind of long video clip of those homecomings when the soldiers come home and they, and they don't know that the soldiers coming home. And then all of a sudden they see him and they run towards him. And there was the one in the football stadium where they were doing the tribute up on the big screen. And then the soldier walks in and the, the family just sprints toward the, the soldier that was coming home. I don't know if you remember that. It was really, really powerful. And, uh, oh, it's a great sermon. Man, that was a great sermon. Oh, I, too bad you forgot that one. Too bad you forgot that one. Because that, that's the one you should have remembered right there. But they had those images, and we talked about... And the question that, that I asked before I showed that video was this. What does forgiveness look like to you? And, and we kind of played through some scenarios of sometimes it's hard to forgive, but then there's the imagery that God gives of the prodigal son... And he comes home, and he opens up his arms, and he runs toward us, throws his arm around him. Just the imagery there. That's forgiveness. That's God wanting us to go to him, and he wants to come to us. And that was powerful, powerful imagery there. Well, all right, so that was good. And then we got done with the Puzzling Life series, and then and that was Palm Sunday. Anybody here on Palm Sunday? No? Okay, then you guys know what we preached on Palm Sunday, because the next week was Easter Sunday. Here's an image of Easter Sunday, and I was preaching. And maybe you remember there's a, there, um, there was a tower over here, and uh, we said uh, we leaned the ladder into it, and we said, uh, what, do, what are we taught to lean the ladder of our life? You know, we're supposed to get higher and achieve more and get better, and, and so you, you lean the ladder of your life into education. Got to get a good education, or, or your image. You got to take care of yourself, and your career is really important, so you lean the ladder of your life into that, or relationships, or family, or money, and you lean the ladder of your life into those things, up until they fail. And you're going, huh, I thought my education was going to take care of me. You know, I thought my health was going to hold out. And, and then what do you do when those things fail? And then we took the ladder and we went over and we leaned it up against the cross and we said there's really only one thing that is ultimately eternal that we should lean the ladder of our life into. And that was a fun Sunday. That was a fun Sunday. I had a full house in here. It was, it was good. It was a good Sunday. Easter Sunday. Remember anybody here? On, anybody traveling on Easter? Anybody traveling on Easter and you heard a better sermon and you want to come up and tell us about that? And uh, um, listen, all right. Now, then uh, next, what took place was uh, I was gone for a couple of weeks because I was having surgery and didn't know at the beginning of the year that was going to be happening, but I ended up having surgery. And uh, and so Wayne and Kathy, we had a fifth Sunday and Wayne and Kathy came up and, and they preached and, um, and uh, they took care of that. And then uh, the next one, uh, I preached again, except it was a video sermon. And uh, do anybody remember I was kind of doing the doors thing? We're talking about how God opens doors and closes doors in our life. And, and uh, he, uh, uh, he opens them up for good reasons and he closes them. We gave lots of biblical examples of how uh, God does that. He opens doors and closes doors. Anybody remember that sermon? Yeah, yeah all right, good. Yeah, good. So you can re-watch that if you want by go to the YouTube channel. It's still there if you want. So, um, All right, then uh, next was uh, uh, the last Sunday. Look at this picture here. Uh, after that uh, video sermon there, um, then, um, oh, now I totally have drawn a blank on his name. He was the guy from Lincoln that came up and preached. Um, Paul. Paul? Was, Paul Boatman was here. And Paul Boatman, I think, was the last guy to preach a sermon on the stage when it looked like that. When it looked like that. Remember when it looked like that? 
because then the next week uh, we started tearing it apart and we went down and uh, next one uh, we I started preaching a sermon series called Making Change and do you remember being down in the gym? We were down in the gym and uh, that was kind of fun, kind of fun. I don't know if you guys like that or not, but uh, we went we went down there and had church for a few weeks uh, down in there while we were uh, making some changes that were up in here. We were doing Making Change. Uh, maybe you remember that uh, we did some things and uh, I held up a blueprint. I held up an original blueprint from uh, when this this chunk of the building was added on in 83, 84. And uh, we said, uh, what would it have been like? What would it have been like if uh, they added this part of the building on to the, the old part of the building and uh, they didn't use a blueprint? And uh, the electricians, you know, uh, the, the first the, the, the bricklayers, they came in and they had no blueprint. They just said, well, okay, we'll, we'll build something. And then they left and then, um, you know, all of the uh, HVAC guys and the electricians and the, uh, they came in and, uh, and they said, uh, well, where do you want outlets? Oh, nobody cares. There's no prints. And they just kind of got to go and do whatever they wanted to do. And, and uh, you know, the, uh, the roofers came and, and they just decided let's do a, a different color or, you know, whatever. And there was no print. There's no plan. They just people just showed up and got to do whatever they wanted to do. What you would ultimately have is complete and total chaos, right? That's what you'd have. Chaos. Okay. Unfortunately, people in the world believe and live out every day. I get to do whatever I want, and you're not the boss of me. And that leads to chaos, chaos, and that the Bible is our blueprint for life, and that the more people, the more contractors you have adhering to the blueprint, the less likely it is that the structure is going to fail, right? And the culture, the more people that are adhering to God's blueprint for the way that we are to conduct ourselves as a culture, as a people in life... It's best. It's best. God always knows what's best. God always knows what's best. And then we preached a, a sermon. It's called um, "Change My Church." We first was we did "Change My Mind" and "Change My Church." We even talked about "Change Our Country." And we talked uh, "Change My Church." We talked about that, and um, we talked about the legacy of change that this church has. And we I showed you a bunch of pictures of the couple of older buildings that were down on uh, 12th Street there, or thir- 12th or 13th, 12th, 12th. It's on the corner, 12th and what? Yeah, the old church. Fourth Avenue. Well, and where'd I get 12th? Don't you turn up 12th off of 84 to get there? Yeah, and that's in that the street that it's on? Yeah, 12th. See, I know what I'm talking about. It says 12th Street right here in my notes. And so you guys, you ever, you ought to take a drive later today. And uh, if you've never been down there before on 12th Street's where the old church building used to be. But I showed pictures of that. We just talked about the legacy of change. We talked about the legacy of change. And um, we said this in the book of Mark and in the book of Luke. It says here, it says that you are the salt of the earth. It says salt is good, but if it loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It's fit neither for the soil nor for the manure pile. It said as a church... Reason we're making changes is because we want uh, to uh, we want to be a, a people that doesn't get stuck in a rut, and we want to be uh, sort of uh, making it presentable and making it look like there's life, and and we're doing those things because the church is to be the salt 
in the community, and we are the ones that are to lift up the blueprint and hold it high. And then uh, when we finished up that sermon series that was down there in the gym, we had Vacation Bible School. I want to show you a video here of uh, just a quick reminder of... Uh, Georgia put together a fantastic team, and a bunch of you guys were here and did a lot of work. And going to roll that. Going to see just a reminder: Vacation Bible School. It's oh yeah, you don't need to turn that up. It's just going to be footprints. Remember, that was crazy. That was so awesome. It's all decorated. It looked fantastic. Huh. So you remember that. That was, a, that was a good time. It was a lot of work, a lot of fun. And um, so that was only about halfway through the year there. And uh, do you remember these things? Are, do they trigger any, any of this stuff? You're hearing this and you remember, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. And, but you have to admit, you forgot. Right? You forgot. But it's good to hear it again. That's why we do this. It's good to hear it again. Then I preached a sermon series called Better Together. Better Together. And that was a long series. Just a couple of highlights from that series. Here's some key truths. He said we're better together. And this was really about uh, owning up to the fact that you are to be a part of this church. Some key truths. He said the church is a family. And that God expects you to be members of a church family. And that a Christian without a church family is a contradiction. We said that. Um, God is richly, uh, God richly provides us with everything uh, for our enjoyment. That Jesus said, I have come in order that you might have life and have it to the fullest. We've talked about those things. Next one here is, um, we talked about communion. And uh, I think, am I out of one, two, three, Okay, there we go. I'm oh, I'm I'm the guy. I didn't turn my page over right. I'm sorry. All right, here we go. Um, God richly provides. Oh, sorry about that. See, because I oh, never mind. All right, I'll do better. Yeah. Next year's review. um, It's gonna be better than this year's review. But don't hold my, I don't have to worry about that. You're not going to remember anyway. <laughs> so here's what I said. All right. Um, this is, this is, yeah, this is, so all these things that we said about better together is this, okay? Uh, when we know and love God, when we know and love God and live in harmony with his purposes for our lives. Now think about that. There's, you got to go there. When we know and love God. And what that means is that we have a relationship with him. Not when we're aware of him and, yeah, church is Sunday, but I got 10 things to do before I get there. When we're in relationship with him, when I know and love him and live in harmony with his purpose from, for our lives, it produces tremendous benefits in our life. And uh, we talk about being a part of the church. And then we said this. It says there's some key truths, right? And then that's when we went on to talk about the church is a family and we need to be members and we need to be connected. And that while we're here, we do something that's very important. We take communion together. And uh, we take communion every week. And so we revisited why we do that and what's that all about. And just wanted to highlight these things. Um, I think sometimes we're guilty of thinking that uh, communion is going to... Uh, be a quick fix or a change, and it is to be a place that we reset, but here's ultimately what, what it is. It's a simple act. We talked about that, and um, it's a reminder, 
Uh, what's more simple than bread? Jesus says, take this bread. He didn't want to make it complicated. He wanted to make it accessible. It's a reminder of what he has done for us, and it's symbolic. It's a symbol. Um, you take the cup and you drink of it, and it, it draws us to one piece of what Jesus, of all the things that God did in creation and everywhere else, the one thing that he did for us that is higher above every other thing is that he took all of our sins to the cross with him and paid the price. We don't have to be punished for what we have done, what we have done uh, to God. Um, Then I preach a sermon series called, uh, is this where we're at? The Truth About Life. Okay, good. The Truth About Life. Here's some things that we covered in that series. And um, uh, here's why we fail to overcome. The truth about life is that life can be very, 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 very hard. We talked extensively about how hard life can be. And the, the things that we go through in life, they can be uh, difficult and drag us down and hurt us and beat us up. And that um, why does that happen? Sometimes we rely on ourselves, and we are double-minded. We, You know, I really like this sin. I know God doesn't want me to, but boy, this is comfortable and easy. We're double-minded. And we make room in our heart for sin. And we talked about... We we don't understand we'll be in Christ. And we, with the illustration that we gave of being in Christ, we can, go, we can go to the swimming pool. We can be at the pool. But that does not mean that we got in the pool, right? It's very different to being at the pool or being in the pool. And we said when we're in Christ, we are surrounded by him. Uh, we are treading water in him. He is sustaining us. He's holding us up. We're not just on the, uh, not just on the edges looking in. We talk, uh, talked about that. And the truth about life is life can be hard. And that um, some of the reasons that uh, these problems happen to us is that we hide our sin. And then we talked about the addictive cycle. And this is always good to review, always good to review. Um, uh, we get trapped in sin. And these uh, a lot of times that we sin because we want comfort in our life. We want comfort in our life. And so uh, we are uncomfortable, and then that sin entices us. It starts with enticement. It's like, huh, well, that sounds like a good idea. And then, um, so whatever the, whatever the thing that might entice you, whether it's, you know, drugs or alcohol or porn, or if it's food or whatever that thing is uh, that uh, is going to give you this kind of kick of dopamine in your head, and we talked a lot about that, it's going to entice you, and then you're going to enter into some kind of a ritual. Uh, you're going to enter a ritual where uh, you sort of begin to circle the drain. You're going to get a little bit closer to uh, acting out in that thing and, and moving away from it. And get a little bit closer until eventually you're going to act out and you're going to do the thing that you know you shouldn't do. And then you're going to feel this shame and this remorse and this guilt because, oh, I did it again, I did it again, I did it again. You're going to feel very low and sad and sorrowful. And while you're feeling low and sad and sorrowful, all of a sudden, huh, I know what's going to feel good. That thing that you shouldn't be doing in the first place, right? And you get trapped in that cycle. And that's the truth about life is that we can get trapped and stuck in these kind of things. And we looked at a biblical example and, um, the prophet Elijah, and uh, maybe you remember that prophet Elijah, uh, he got tangled up in a big fight with uh, uh, Jezebel and the 450 prophets of Baal, and they had this big showdown where they built these uh, two altars, and, and uh, um, uh, Elijah was told by God, you know, you tell your prophets to pray to that altar and start it on fire, and then when you guys get done, I'll pray to my God and see if it'll start on fire, and they prayed all day and it didn't work, and then uh, uh, Elijah said, watch this, and he prayed one little prayer, and the whole thing went up in smoke, and then 
uh, he, then Jezebel um, gets mad and says, I'm going to kill Elijah. And Elijah gets scared after this big, uh, traumatic, uh, powerful experience of becoming uh, totally engrossed and, and seeing the power of God. But he gets uh, fearful and he runs for his life and he hides and he's scared. And then God shows up and he says, I'm going to do some things right now. I'm going to show you how to act now that I see how scared and distant and afraid you are from me. And he tells him to do these things, get some rest. And he says, I need you to eat well. I need you to get some exercise. And then he listen, listen for me. I need you to be, be quiet and listen to me. I'm, I'm here in the silence. And then you get to work. Go back and do the things that you know that you need to do and get some partners in your life that are going to help you grow in your faith. And that was about the truth about life, the truth about life. And here's some other things in the truth about life is there are hindrances to your relationship with God, and that's a lack of commitment that we have. And James tells us that uh, you do not have because you do not ask God, and we need to be close to him. But there are benefits in spending time in prayer, and we have a bolder commitment. And the Bible tells us in Matthew, it says, ask and it will be given to you. Um, then I, um, I preached a, a sermon <clears throat> that was uh, Lessons from a Boat. Lessons from a boat. And that's because I was away. My daughter was getting married. I got to go and, and uh, I go to be at my... Maybe you remember Lessons in a Boat? That one wasn't very long ago. Anybody remember Lessons in a Boat? Uh, here's a profound one. Here's a profound one. Boats are made to float. Remember that? Boats are made to float. Boats are, and what's that got to do with anything? We said boats are made to float um, uh, because there's that thing when you get in the water that uh, it's trying to pull you down. It's trying to consume you. And if, if you relax in it too long, you'll drown in it, right? They're made to rise above. They're supposed to be above. And we said that's the church and the culture. The church is made to rise above the culture, that thing that's trying to pull you down. And then we talked about the difference between a propeller and an impeller. Anybody want to give that one a shot? Do you remember the difference between a propeller and an impeller? Man, everybody sits there and just silent. Yeah, there we go. One propels and one impels. Yep, there we go. Yep. And the propeller pushes you along, right? But, uh, but the propeller is not going to work if the impeller is not good, right? Because the impeller is the thing inside the motor that draws in that cool water so that it doesn't overheat. And we said that's our spiritual life. We've got to have that thing that pulls in, uh, the, that balances us out. And we've got to pull the spirit into us. And we've got to keep uh, that uh, well-tuned inside so that we can be moving along where God wants us to go on, on the outside. Man, that's a great sermon. Oh, yeah, things you learn in a boat. Things you learn in a boat. Who didn't love that one? Everybody loved that one. All right. Well, in conclusion, thought everybody'd say amen. <laughs> uh, in conclusion, uh, then then you maybe you remember we preached uh, Jonah. Jonah, were you here when we preached Jonah? And I'm not going to review all of that. You know the story, and if you don't, then there's a little song that uh, uh, that goes along with that one. And um, and uh, Jonah was in a whale, and or the big fish, and and um, and God used Jonah uh, to change the hearts of the people in Nineveh, and we're to uh, uh, we're to be the people that God uses to change the, the hearts of the people around us and preach through Jonah. And then I, then I preach a sermon series. Um, I'm sure most of you have forgotten this one already. It was called, uh, He Will Be Called. He Will Be Called. Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And uh, church family, I, I like doing the year in review because you are my brothers and sisters and you are my family and we got to spend the year together and uh, um, 
I love you guys, and I enjoy when we get together here, and um, I like to joke with you and laugh with you and tease you, and, and I like to grow with you and learn with you, and, and uh, we're doing life together, church. That's what we're doing. We're doing life together. Well, uh, 2013, uh, you know, uh, in the year in review last year, Last year, the year review, the last uh, slide that I had showed you uh, was a, a picture of this sanctuary, uh, the way that it used to look, and said, you know, maybe we'll do something about that this year, and so I'll conclude this one. with. Here's a picture. I shared this one with the uh, leadership on uh, Monday night, and, and so maybe the sign will be a little bit different uh, by the time this year is over, and we'll get the thing to light up a little bit different and glow a little bit um, and have some LED lights in there that'll change or something like that. And so if you don't, um, if you uh, think that's a bad idea, it's all Laura's idea, um, <laughs> And uh, but if you like it, uh, well, you make sure and let somebody know. But uh, maybe we'll make a change like that. It's good. To, it's good to just kind of be looking forward and thinking about things that we can uh, do a little different, right? Let's pray. Hmm. Father God, uh, we're just getting started in uh, 2023. 